It was 1952. And Florence Chadwick, a famous open water swimmer, stepped into the Pacific Ocean off of Catalina Island, determined to swim to the mainland of California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways successfully. That day she set off in 1952, the weather was unpredictable. It was cold, chilly, and the fog was thick. Florence could barely see the boats that were accompanying her. Florence swam for 15 hours. By the 15th hour, she couldn't see where she was going. The fog was thick. She wanted to give up. She was emotionally exhausted and physically exhausted. Her mom, in a boat following her, encouraged Florence. She said, Florence, you are so close to California. Keep going. Don't give up. But Florence, she wanted out. As soon as she got onto the boat, physically, emotionally exhausted, she realized that the shore was less than half a mile away. At a news conference the next day, Florence said this. She said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Can you relate to those words? I, I think if I could see the shore out in the distance, if I know the goal, maybe I could make it. Well, good morning. My name is Lauren. Welcome to Renovation Vineyard Church. I'm glad to be with you guys this morning. I was with you about a month ago, so I'm excited to be with you. I'm one of the preachers at Seacoast Vineyard Church, so I'm looking forward to what God wants to do in this space today. So this morning, we are going to look at a passage of Scripture that reminds us of who we are and where we are going. If we don't know where we came from, though, it's really hard to know where to go in front of us, right? Why are we swimming in the first place? Perhaps you showed up this morning at a renovation and you feel a bit like our girl Flo. <laughs> the fog of your life is just really thick. You're not sure who you are anymore. You're not sure why you're swimming in the first place. Maybe the fog of your life is hurts, hang-ups. Maybe it's sorrow. Maybe it's loss. Maybe it's pain. We all have fog in our life. And I think sometimes we get so focused on the fog that we don't know where we are swimming. I grew up as a competitive swimmer. Growing up, as a 14-year-old, I loved the 100-yard butterfly, okay? And I also loved the 200-yard IM. It was butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, and freestyle. 
Now, I really got bored with backstroke. I think I was just really tired of staring at the ceiling stroke. After stroke, I would much rather stare at the floor of the pool, right? But one summer, I signed up for a one-mile ocean swim with 500 of my favorite surfer or swimming competitors. I'm also a surfer. <laughs> I don't know. Has anyone swam a mile in the ocean before? Okay. Let me set the scene for you. Okay. So the weather is pretty unpredictable. You could either have ocean that's calm or you could have ocean that's crazy. And about 500 kids are swimming one mile in the ocean. You can't see anything in the water. It's about like our water out here in Myrtle Beach. This was in Virginia Beach. And you have a lot of kids going out at the same time. You're getting feet in the face and you're kicking other people in the face. So basically, it's torture. So I remember one summer, I signed up for a one-mile ocean swim. It was hard, folks. It was not enjoyable. And I remember so many feet in my face, and I remember just like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Because it is the wild, wild west when you have 514-year-olds trying to swim a mile in the ocean. But I remember there was one thing that gave me hope during that mile in the ocean. There's this little orange buoy that was just bobbing up and down. And that was where we had to go. That, that meant the race was over, thank goodness. But that was the goal. And so because you couldn't see in the water, you had to pick your head up about every five strokes. And I would just focus on that orange buoy. And I would put my head in the water and just plow as fast as I could. When I would start to lose hope, I would lift my head, focus again on that orange buoy, and just keep swimming. You know, as followers of Jesus, we have a source of hope. We have a different perspective that not a lot of people talk about today. And that is the hope of heaven. The hope of heaven. Our ancestors in the faith often viewed heaven as their true north star. So when life got hard, when life got fuzzy, when life got foggy, they would focus on this perfect, beautiful place that we as followers of Jesus will be someday. We will have no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. We will be in perfect unity with the Father, and the Father will be in perfect unity of his children. I don't know about you, but that is so hopeful when times are hard. And it really does feel like heaven is less than half a mile away. But sometimes on hard days, on foggy days, the hope of heaven falls off our radar because the fog of life is just too thick. So as we look at our passage this morning, we're going to be reminded of who we are and where we are going and why we are swimming in the first place. We can't envision where we are going if we don't know where we came from. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to invite my husband, Ryan, to come on up to the stage. He's going to read our passage of scripture today and then pray for us. 
The last time I was with you guys, do you remember we were about to embark on our trip to England and Africa with Doug Dorman? Doug was with you guys last week and he shared about hospitality. That was a major theme of the trip. Thank you guys for praying. Thank you guys for thinking about us and blessing us on that trip. I think you guys knew something now. It really was going to be a reverse mission trip, right? Like, yeah, we were going to go minister and pray for folks, but we came back so changed. And we have just been hungry, hungry for what God has for us, hungry to learn. So I have Ryan up here to tell you what he has been hungry for. He's going to read our passage and then pray for us. Thank you. Uh, yeah, for those of you that don't know me, I am Ryan. I am Lauren's husband. Um, we thank you for having us here. And so coming back from this trip, you know, Lauren said I was hungry. I was hungry to read more scripture. And like everybody here, I'm very busy. We're all very busy. Or I use that excuse to not read scripture. But I work for UPS, and so I have a lot of driving time. And I don't know if many of you have been on a UPS truck, but mo- it's missing a few things that personal cars do. First of all, you step in there, we don't have doors, we don't have AC, and then we don't have a radio. And so UPS allows us to bring a radio onto the truck. And so you hear a UPS truck come up your house, you might hear the blaring music. If, you come, if I pull up your house, you might hear the Bible being read to you from my radio. Um, so it's just getting back here in the States, it's like I've just been hungry to learn more and I've started in the Old Testament in Genesis. I think in the past two weeks, I've made it through, I'm on Deuteronomy now. And so it's, it's just very exciting, and I'm hungry. And yeah, it's good. So I'm going to read this scripture from Genesis and just where it all, be, all began. And it's, it's just exciting to me because what God had given us and trusted us with. And like I said, this is just where it all started. So this is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Let's pray. Jesus, you are such a good father. And we just invite you in to this room, the Holy Spirit, Lord. Just fill us up. Just open up the ears to hear and our hearts, Lord, to this message that Lauren has prepared for us. And give Lauren the words to speak. And thanks for giving her the, the wisdom and the knowledge to teach, Lord, the gift of teaching. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. He's my favorite. He's my absolute favorite. I love that guy. <laughs> I had Ryan read our passage from Genesis today because, seriously, he's been plowing through listening to the Bible. That's just a freebie tip for you. If you have a hard time reading the Bible, what would it look like to just listen to it as you're driving? Pretty genius, I'd say. So the first point I want to make this morning is that Ryan said something along the lines in Genesis that we were made in God's image. We were made in God's likeness. 
We were made in God's image. I love the message version of Genesis 1 here. It says, earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, and an inky blackness. So in the inky blackness, God created you to worship him, to love him, to be a reflection of who God is to the world. You were created to be a signpost for other people so that when people see you, they see aspects of God. So that means when you're at work and you show up early and you are a person of integrity, that means people see God through you. When you are a person that gives generously and compassionately, people see aspects of God through you. Isn't that crazy to think that we are signposts for people to see God through us? That is wild to think about. N.T. Wright uses the image of an angled mirror here in Genesis 1 when he's explaining what does God mean that we were created in his image? That can get a little confusing. So N.T. Wright says that we often think of an image as a mirror. So this morning as I was getting ready, I was looking at the mirror to make sure that I got my mascara on my eyelashes and not my eyebrows, okay? So I saw myself in the mirror, and myself was reflected back to me. But what if we looked at Genesis 1, as N.T. Wright says, like an angled mirror? When N.T. Wright was a little boy, he was sick in bed. And so his mom wanted him to not feel isolated and alone. So she set up a mirror so that from bed, he could see the activity happening out in the hallway. So N.T. Wright is saying, with an angled mirror, you can see in multiple directions. What if God has put you and I, his people, on this earth to be like an angled mirror? For God to reflect his love of the earth, his care of the earth, his stewardship of the earth, and for us to reflect that to the world and then people to see that through us and then they send their praises to God. We reflect God to the world and when people see that, they see, now you being made in God's image. I want to relieve you for a second. That's not what not something that you have to earn. It's not something that you have to work for. You are already made in God's image. You are already there. Now, of course, we've got to kind of work out how to live this out. What does it mean to be made in God's image? How can we properly exercise that? Thankfully, God gives us a plan Verse 28 says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, 
and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, this is not a call to just go out and make babies and start farms, okay? And this is not just a call to go do more for God. Instead, this is a call to imitate creator God. God is saying, hey, be who I created you to be, Jane, and you to be, Andy. Be who I created you to be. How has God created you? What gifts do you have? What talents do you have? What skill sets do you possess? Maybe you have relational gifts. Maybe you have networking gifts. Have you ever considered using your networking gifts for the kingdom? Maybe you're good at managing teams and managing people. What I love about being a business owner and an interior designer is that I literally get to imitate God's creative work. I get to go into people's homes and hear their needs. And I get to help them be inspired and live a life worth living. What does it look like? to own who God has created you to be. I kind of like to think of myself as a follower of Jesus, a witness of Jesus, cleverly disguised as an interior designer. And you too are cleverly disguised as your work, as your vocation. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a witness to the kingdom but you're cleverly disguised as what you are doing on this earth. Now, the second part of this passage is talking about having some rule, having reign, having dominion. What what does that mean? Well, that means to bring order. Order to chaos. God is asking us to steward that, to rule and reign with order. Now, you were made in God's image, and then God says, in my image, I want you to take care of my creation. Now, this would be really arrogant if (laughs) we came up with this idea, like, oh, hey, we're made in God's image, and we're called to rule and reign. That would be pretty presumptuous. Y'all, this is God's idea. We didn't make this up. This was God's plan. Throughout the narrative of scripture, it is clear that God says, I'm going to honor those folks who are faithful, who are humble, who are going to steward my people, my creation, my church. Remember Matthew 25, 21, the parable of the talents? The master gave three servants talents. One of the servants stewarded those talents appropriately. And then the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So as followers of Jesus, we have been born into a family of an incredibly wealthy landowner. 
Our Father God has a business that stretches across the entire universe. And the Bible says that he is going to entrust his family to be co-heirs of managing this business. And that is what we will do in eternity. So maybe it feels weird for us to consider governing in God's kingdom, to be co-heirs with Jesus, because we have been conditioned to think of governing as manipulative and distortive. And it's hard for us to imagine kingdom governing, a place that is governed with peace and joy, a place that is responsible. It's hard for us to imagine that. But humanity's rule is introduced here in Genesis, and we see it scattered from the OT to the New Testament, the Gospels and the Epistles. So from start to finish, God is saying that we are being prepared for what we forever do in the kingdom. One of my best friends grew up on a farm in the north, and I love listening to her family's stories. And what I've learned from her is that growing up on a farm, preparation is necessary, and it's not always easy. What if God is preparing us now today for what we will forever do in his kingdom. Have you ever thought about what your dream job will be in heaven? Like, what will you do in heaven? What will you do? I think my dream job would be to uh, be a community gatherer. I can just imagine myself having a redeemed megaphone that doesn't annoy people. And I would just gather everyone and we'd play all the games and we'd talk and we'd hang out and then maybe I'd be like, hey, hey, Trinity, can I help you with picking wallpaper selections or, or paint color? Can I make heaven even more beautiful? What are you going to do in the kingdom? What are you doing now, today, that is shaping you for eternity? Have you ever thought about that? What is going to be your heavenly vocation? What I love about the vineyard movement is that we often say we live in the already but not yet of the kingdom. So that theology means that because of Jesus, he broke through and reversed the curse. But we still live in the fog of life. Revelation chapter 21.5 says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. The Greek word that John uses here in Revelation is not the kind of new you might be thinking of. So it's not the kind of new where Ryan gets a, um, a motorcycle and then overhauls it because it's beat up and then he restores it and then he drives it down the road. It's not that kind of new. It's also not that kind of new where I get some furniture and I reupholster it and it's just like brand new, but it's really old. It's not that kind of new. That is not what John is referring to in this, in this book. 
The Greek word that John uses here represents something that is totally brand new. It's not old made new. It's just new. And so that same Greek word that John uses in Revelation 21, Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians. When Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So Paul is describing you. He's describing me. He's describing us. That the new creation has begun in our lives, even in the midst of fog. So years ago when Christians would build churches, they would put graveyards, cemeteries in the front yard so that every service, every worship Sunday, that faith community would have to walk through death to get to new life. They would have to walk through death to realize Jesus, hold up, gave us new life. The curse 2,000 years ago has been reversed. Jesus did that. The curse is currently being reversed. And one day, Jesus is totally going to reverse that curse. And that is our hope, my friends. That is what we look to. That is our expectation. So the mission of the church, the mission of Renovation Vineyard Church is to bring that future reality that we are heading to, heaven. We are to bring that future reality into our present reality. That's our mission, church. The hope of heaven gives us wind in our sails. The hope of heaven encourages us when the fog of life is just too thick. The hope of heaven helps us navigate when we just want to give up. So remember this. You were made in God's image. When you want to give up swimming, know where you came from. As you continue to swim and navigate the waters of this life, remember that God said, hey, I've made you in my image. Don't forget that. And when your friends are having a hard time in the open ocean and they want to give up, remind them, hey, you were made in God's image. You were made in God's likeness. And with that, comes a responsibility. We were created to rule and to reign with God for his glory.
And we've got to know God's heart, right? If we're going to rule and reign as if God has asked us to do so, we've got to be walking with Jesus. We've got to have company with him to know his will for his people, to know his will for creation, to know his will for the church. Are you keeping company with Jesus? Do you hang out with Jesus? Do you share your needs and concerns? I want to remind you, keep company with Jesus. So consider Florence's words. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. I think if I knew the shore was there, I could make it. I want to invite the worship team to come on up and play. And we want to pray for you guys today. Because I think there are several of you here that are trying to navigate the open ocean. That the fog of life is really thick, whether it's hurts or hang-ups, whether it's pain, whether it's loss. The fog of life is around us, and it's easy to focus on it when we can't see the shore. It's easy to focus on those things that are thick and cold and chilly. So we want to pray for you. If there's anyone here today that uh, just, I don't know what the fog might be in your life, but it's there. Would you just put your hand in the air? Your hand in the air. Yeah. Okay, so three, one right here. The fog of life is just thick, and you would like someone to pray for you. Could you put your hands in the air one more time? So there's one there. There's two there. All right, well, you guys see the hands? We're vineyard people. That means we're a praying people. So those that are around you, would you surround those people that raise their hands? Kathleen and Ryan, you're here to pray. Andy, and anyone, if you saw a hand raised, we're going to spend a few minutes just praying for folks. So I want to invite you to stand and go lay a hand on someone that raised their hand. Get their name and just, just ask God to speak. You don't need a diagnose. Just ask God to speak.
for your love. We thank you that even when the fog of life is thick and we are begging to be pulled out of the water, God, would you send alongside a, a figure like Florence's mother who encouraged her, Florence, you're so close. You're so close. Keep going. Keep swimming. Don't give up. We're so close. We're less than half a mile from the heavenly shore. God, give us hope. Give us encouragement. Put wind in our sails, God. I pray that you would just blow into people's sails. You, Holy Spirit. I pray that we would not forget that we are made in God's image and that we also have a responsibility to steward and care and to be faithful and humble with your church, with your world. God, I thank you that we get to be a blessing to the world. I thank you that we get to be like an angled mirror, God. You reflect your love and care on us. We show it to the world and the world sees that and praises God. Thank you, God. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. And we thank you for being our shore, Jesus. In your strong and mighty name, amen.